Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Patria, joined by my good buddy, Harris Kermani. Wasn't sure if you were going to make it, Harris, but I'm glad you're here. We're breaking down this wonderful Monday, December 6th slate. we got 10 games to talk about. How was the game? I know you were there. Yeah, I mean, rain on the outside, but uh, we were making it rain on the inside for once. It's been a tough home stretch for the Raptors for sure, but I mean, we got lucky with uh, Giannis sitting out with an unknown whatever calf injury on the last game, and we were able to pull that one out as well by the skin of our teeth, finding ways to almost give that one away. But today was a much more, I'd say, professional performance, a more all-round, you know, Good off-ball movement. Uh, I thought Siakam finally ac- exploited his mismatch in the way that he should. And altogether, we just put the beating on the Wizards. So it's good to get uh, a couple of wins, get a streak going. Hopefully keep that going now for a little bit with the Raptors. And we just need OG to come back healthy, man. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, everybody I think knew coming into the year his role was going to increase, that they were going to rely on him a lot more uh, with Kyle Lowry being out. You guys definitely, definitely need it. And just as overall, one of the one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. So, yeah. I hear that. I hear that. Unfortunately, I got nothing good to talk about with the way my man's been playing. Uh, it's been rather unfortunate, but we got a good show on our hands. We got a full docket of games, 10 games, a lot of stud players, a lot of value, a lot of everything. Uh, did fairly well on Sunday slate, so I can't can't fully complain. I mean, Clint Capella could have did a little more for me. Uh, luckily, I didn't 100% him. I never do that with like pretty much any player, but... Uh, you know, the, the Collins pivot for the win. I did have plenty of Collins as well. So that worked out well for me. Uh, but let's jump right into this, man. I want to just take a quick minute, give a shout out to one of our new presenting sponsors and one that I'm super excited about. I mean, I love all of our sponsors. I, I always get to, to test everything. Uh, you know, I guess that's one of the perks of being the host and, <laughs> you know, one of the DFS guys over here. Uh, but this is one that I didn't need to test. It was one I've already heard about, one I've already I've played. I know Santino did as well. Uh, and it's Thrive Fantasy. So welcome aboard Thrive Fantasy. We're now partnered up with them. We're working with them. Uh, and if you don't know what Thrive Fantasy is, guys, it is the number one prop fantasy site out there. So if you play DFS, odds are you like to gamble or you like to prop bet. And this is the place to do it. So it is a, an eSports app where you can get anywhere in your app stores or your player store. And with Thrive, you can eliminate countless hours of research and focus only on top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact in the game. So, uh, for example, you choose 10 of 20 available props to build with your lineup. Very similar to DFS, you go into a guaranteed prize pool, and each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both over and under based on how likely it is to hit. hit, The person that hits the most props racks up the most points, and you earn a share of that prize pool. So very similar to DFS, but it's with props. Thrive has over $50,000 in guaranteed prizes in for weekly and for NBA and has awarded over $6 million so far. And if you head over there, guys, use that promo code ETHOS when you sign up and you will receive 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or just by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop today. So I already know I'm already going to be dialing up some of these for tomorrow. I'm super excited. I think, you know, maybe not on tomorrow's or on tonight's segment, but I think starting soon, we're going to be throwing in a little Thrive segment at the end of our shows of maybe one of our favorite prop bets. Because, And you could just go on there as well and do regular props. Um, you know, if you win, if you if you bet four props and you win all four, you 11 times your bet. So that was one thing I took advantage of for football today. Uh, missed on one of them, of course, uh, but still had a great time doing so. Uh, you could turn a little bit of money into a lot of money. And if you have an edge, props are the best way to do it. So head over there, promo code ETHOS. Let's jump right into this slate, man. Really looking forward to it. We have the Philadelphia 76ers traveling to Charlotte. They are taking on this battered Hornets team. One that we saw to uh, play today. One that had a ton of fantasy value today. So right now, this game's coming in at a 219 game total. There is no spread. Hornets, we do not have the injury report, but as we know, LaMelo Ball, uh, Jalen McDaniels, Terry Rozier, Mason Plumlee, all these guys are in the health and safety protocols. For the Sixers, Tobias Harris is questionable. He missed that last game due to an illness. Uh, And then we have Paul Reed in the G League. Grant really ruled out. Ben Simmons ruled out. Jaden Springer in the G League. So I'll pass it over to you. I'll let you lead off with Philly. Who are you looking at? 
Yeah, and with the Tobias Harris questionable status, it really all just comes down to you know, who's going to be the guy to be able to do a little bit more. We saw George Niang get uh, you know, 29 minutes, get to 27 and a half DK points, and he just always gives you that little bit of extra value when he's got that uh, when he's got a shot going. So it's a nice spot to be able to look at. But beyond that, I mean, the Joel Embiid one, it really all comes down to which stud you're going to go with. You can't go wrong with Joel. I mean, 11,000, he's got a great matchup to be able to absolutely exploit here. Charlotte's just absolutely dead as far as size is concerned. And Philly's going to definitely be running through him. So he could very easily go ahead and put up you know, a big 50-60 night over here and really take advantage of that. But the advantage you'll get is a lot of guards are probably going to be passing the ball into him. So you know, a lot of these other guys start to come into their own with potential to be able to get in. So we already spoke about George Niang and Tyrese Maxey at 6,700 is always one of those guys where, you know, he's got the capability to be able to get to you know, that 35 to 40 line, but it's almost like picking teeth as to which game will actually be in. Much like we have your Harrison Barnes, man. Tyrese Maxey's a guy I never get right. So uh, he could very well go off and uh, kick me in the teeth, but I'll probably end up uh, fading him for that price tag. And really just comes down to the, uh, to the cheap guys there. I do... You know, again, going back to my uh, duel of uh, Matisse Thybul, Danny Green, both those guys are just at price tags that are just you know excellent. We're going to talk about a ton of value guys here today, and there's definitely guys with higher upside to be able to go out here. But uh, Danny Green got 34 minutes in the last game, and we know he just needs to hit a couple of his shots because uh, his defensive stats and rebounds are always going to find a way to be able to get him to it. So there's a decent chance that he can get into that mid-20s, and Really, that that's the uh, major area. So there's guys of value to be able to have, and then Embiid is your uh, is your stud of choice if you do decide to go that route rather than one of the other guys later on. I can't argue with it. Yeah, I mean, this is a smash spot for pretty much all centers going against. They started Nick Richards today. Uh, they'll probably end up doing that again. Uh, Charlotte will just to try to match up with Embiid's size, but they were bad against centers even when they had Plumley, let alone without Plumley. Uh, they're very vulnerable. This team gives up a ton of three pointers. You know, granted, they're missing four of their players, so maybe they get a little bit better. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm going to chalk it up there and say they do not. So I think Seth Curry, Danny Green, both those guys are in play. Those are probably the three main guys I'm looking at uh, for the most part. So I'll be looking at Joel Embiid. Uh, like you said, pick your stud. There's probably three that I think are really in play for me tonight. And then I think looking at a little bit of Seth Curry, he's never highly owned or anything like that. Price tag's pretty comfortable. It's a fair price tag for him. It's not a great. You're not going to get a ton of value. Uh, but this could feel like it's uh, one of his upside spots. And then Danny Green, solid value. But like you said, we'll talk about a bunch of them. On the other side of the ball, we saw them roll out Ish Smith as the starter, which for some reason I do not understand DraftKings' algorithm and their pricing because uh, he went from being $4,800 on a Sunday to $3,400 the very next day. Uh, why? I don't know. LaMelo Ball is not coming back in, in one day. And at $3,400, it's shock. Everybody's going to play him. Don't get me wrong. It's kind of hard to avoid at $3,400. If he's going to play 32 minutes like he did today. Now, granted, this was a game total today was one. Or, I'm sorry, 257. Don't think it'll be that high. Uh, but the dude took 14 shots. He's always going to chip in a couple rebounds, a couple of assists. He's usually good for a steal or two. I think at one point in time, I don't know if it's like this anymore. He was notoriously known as the fastest NBA player. Uh, and then I, I don't think we could really avoid that kind of chalk. So. I'm with Ishmith. I think Kelly Rubre, as long as he's starting and he's going to have a boatload of uh, shot attempts like he did today, he took 17 shot attempts at 5,800. His price tag went down a little bit too. I think he was 61 or 6K today. Uh, so he's very much in play. PJ Washington coming off the bench at 57. He's very much in play. Uh, I, I mean, you could pretty much pick your poison. With all these guys injured, you could probably play any one of these starters and throw in, I would say, outside of Nick Richards and then throw in PJ Washington as well. And then even Cody Martin had a great game off the bench, put up 37 and a half DK points. He's 3,900. I still prefer ish over him, but a lot of value here. Just a lot of guys that are going to see increased usage, increased shot attempts. Um, I wouldn't say go out here and game stack it kind of like we did on Sunday and play three of them. I don't think I would do that with 10 games available, but I think one, maybe two um, are definitely in play for me. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. And the pricing, honestly, I was shocked when I first went ahead and looked at it. Everyone is down across the board. I mean, even Miles Bridges coming off a 50D, 53 DK point game has gone from mid-8,000s up to 7,700. And 
for me, again, that's small forward position. If I can get a Miles Bridges in for under 8,000, I'm always in play with that. He's definitely going to get all the usage he can handle. He's going to put up anywhere between 15 to 18 shots on this game. And even on a game where he didn't get all that many rebounds as he normally does, he was still able to put up 53. So it's a great spot to be able to have. You already hit on you know the major value guys that pretty much everyone's going to have. You know, Kelly Oubre at 58, it's a great spot to be able to do. Uh, a potential pivot is, I mean, I still think uh, Gordon Hayward should be used a little bit more as far as uh, these matchups are concerned. And frankly, he's kind of been a guy that uh, has done pretty well against Philly. I think it's just a matchup he's kind of liked over his career. I'm not saying to go ahead and uh, lock him in for 7,000, but he's probably more of a cash pick uh, to be able to get to 5x. But yeah, with the amount of value that's on here, I think you could easily pick two, if not you know, in my end, maybe you could pick three, but two for sure. I'm I'm thinking I'm going to have in most of my lineups just with how smashed their values are at the moment. All right, we'll keep it moving. Another 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game: Detroit Pistons defending their home court against OKC. Hamid Diallo has been ruled out. Corey Joseph is doubtful. Kelly Olynyk is out, and then for the Thunder, Shea still out dealing with the concussion protocol. Um, Theo Maladon, Aaron Wiggins, both in the G League. Looks like Josh Giddy will be back as well. No game total right now. No spread for this one. We'll start off with OKC. Um, I'm looking at a couple guys here. I mean, this is just a battle of two bad teams, which can sometimes be a recipe for good fantasy stuff. So, you know, starting off with this OKC team, I think Giddy coming in at 6,800 as the lone ball handler. Uh, you know, it's his first game back. He was dealing with an illness after missing two. At 68, I don't necessarily love that price tag, but he definitely has the upside to pay off. Uh, no issues here. I think this could be one of those 35 uh, DK point games where, you know, yes, that's fantastic. Now at 6,800, are there there's some options out there that could put up 40 or 50. So I'm not going to say he's probably going to be the optimal play, but he's very much in play. I haven't been much of a Lou Dork guy this season, so I'll probably just continue that fade. And we should continue to see uh, Trey Mann draw on the start, but he hasn't done much with it yet. You know, it's been a very underwhelming when he's been starting. He's getting the shot attempts, just not doing anything outside of that. You know, very, very lackluster ancillary stats. Yeah, you know, I think he has uh, two rebounds and one assist over, uh, combined over the past two games. So I think, you know, when it comes down to it, you'll probably just rather play Ish and some of these other value plays that we'll get to. So for me, it's really, honestly, it's only going to be Giddy. I don't know if you have anything else to add. Yeah, I think Giddy's probably the most... Uh useful guy out here. I'm still interested to see if whether they keep uh, starting Ty Jerome. I mean, we played 35 minutes in the last game. Again, didn't do you know, exceptionally well with the minutes that he had. He's never going to be a, you know, a massively high usage guy, but he did put up 14 shots in that game. So even if he can get a couple more of those threes to go, he could very well smash that up. But I'll keep an eye out for it. But again, at 3,800, you can go back to Cody Martin on the other side. A little bit cheaper-ish is going to be used everywhere. So there's just better value plays with more upside. Because if you're going for any of these mid-tier guys, like you said, Giddy as well, 6,800, he could maybe get you 40 on a good night. But there's probably guys I yeah, can spend a little bit more and go for Miles Bridges at 7,700 and uh, have uh, the potential for him dropping to 50. So it's just a pick-your-poison situation. But I think there's better value plays, but Giddy's definitely in play overall. Yeah, and I think Jerome was mostly starting with Giddy out. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I just don't see it. I mean, maybe he starts over... Uh, man, just because Ban hasn't really done much, there's always that option. If that's the case, yeah, I'm 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 in with that. I'm cool with him. On the other side of the ball, though, Detroit. Who are you really looking at? Yeah, the Detroit situation is the same weird thing. The only guy that I've found myself trusting and who's definitely getting the minutes to reward that trust has been Isaiah Stewart. And it just comes down to with everyone out with uh, Kelly Olynyk. There is just in a situation where he's finally getting into that early to mid 30 minute situation and he'll rack up your double digit boards. And with even a couple of those shots going in, he'll probably get you that low end double, double. And at 5,500, he's easily a lock to be able to get you in low to mid thirties, as far as DK points are concerned. So, you know, from a center, it's a few guys that have a safer floor at the moment for that price tag. And then of course the, uh, you know, the Jeremy Grant slash Cade, any one of those guys have the capability to be able to do it. I probably, uh, like Jeremy Grant better than I do Cade, just because I find that Jeremy Grant is a usage hog. He'll always put up more shots while Cade is still, I guess, you know, being the nice little rookie and not <laughs> being as aggressive as far as uh, his shot making is concerned. So Jeremy Grant at 7,600 in a, what could be a potentially high scoring game of just bad teams trying to go up against each other, could find himself in a situation where he could be 
you know, that guy who drops a, a 50 on that one. So, you know, between him and Bridges, again, I'm still probably leading Bridges, but I do like Grant at that power forward spot, a guy with high usage. And honestly, I swear one of these games, the Deke Bay is going to turn it around, but uh, don't hold it to me to be on this one because, <laughs> man, it just keeps keeps hurting me. But uh, there's, I don't know, there's just something, something I like about him. I, I can't put my finger on it. It's like a, a bad ex-girlfriend that you just can't let go of. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a good way to describe it. Uh, you got to let go, man. You got to let go. Uh, I'm kind of right there with you. I think Stewart and Grant are my two top options here. I think both of them are very much in play. I wouldn't mind if – actually, I kind of would mind just because we have plenty of value. But I think Frank Jackson will probably see a decent amount of minutes in this one as well. It doesn't do much very similar to a uh, man that I was just talking about. It doesn't do much outside of scoring. It's the only issue with Frank Jackson. But with Corey Joseph uh, most likely sitting out, Diallo already ruled out. You should see significant minutes off the bench, probably around that 26 to 30 minute mark. Wouldn't shock me right there, but not that interested uh, unless he goes out there and drops, you know, 20 actual points. You're probably going to get a, be missing out on some better value plays. On to the next 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. It's the Washington Wizards traveling to Indiana, take on the Pacers. Justin Holiday, TJ McConnell, TJ Warren all ruled out. Wizards on the second end of the back to back. So we do not have an injury report. Uh, we did know or did hear that Spencer Dinwiddie will sit out this game for rest. It's a back-to-back. He played on the front half of it. So that I think we could expect. It's a 2-11 game total right now. There is no spread. But uh, I did see that there were some rumors or some some things swirling around a little bit that Washington was favored by like four or five points, which I thought was shocking. So if you still see that line out there anywhere, let me know because I, I would love to go bet that, especially knowing that Dinwiddie's sitting. Uh, but – not really looking at anybody here on the Wizards. Uh, I haven't been playing many Wizards for the past couple of weeks. I think if the one you could take a look at is always Daniel Gafford. But the minutes, they're not really trustworthy. They're up and down, so he's nothing more than a tournament play. Outside of him, though, not much interest. Uh, if you want more value, I guess, another guard at around that 3K mark, you could look at Aaron Holiday. He generally has been drawing the starts, playing 30 minutes in the absence of Dinwiddie or Beal. Doesn't really do too much with them. Does have uh, you know a little bit of a floor, I guess, around that. 18 point mark or 15 point mark where we're at 3k it won't it won't crush you and then he could get you anywhere sometimes you know i'd say on the high end you're looking at 28 29 but still probably prefer ish over him yeah you're probably right uh, and between gafford and harrell i usually find myself leaning towards harrell especially at this kind of price tag where he could be of interest but again there's centers that are going to be later on in the slate as well that are around that same price tag that i'd much rather go to so yeah, not really looking at uh, any of the Wizards, though on the Indiana side, I probably have a little bit more interest just because of the fact that you know, TJ McConnell being out opens up a little bit more for someone like a Chris Duarte, who's at 4,700. He's going to be able to get more shots up and got to 25 DK points in the last one, even though he just shot six of 15. Never going to be amazing as far as ancillary stats are concerned, though you know, he was rebounding a little bit better earlier in the year. So I'm hoping he can get back to that you know, five to six rather than three to four that he's been sitting at. But, you know, pretty solid floor for him as far as uh, just pure actual points that he'd be able to put up. It's unlikely that he gets less than 15, given the fact that they just need his offense and he'll likely be playing a lot with the second unit as well, which is great for his usage. Uh, the other side is just the uh, the Karis Levert situation where, you know, you got to pick which night he decides to uh, do well, but his price tag just continues to be something alluring at uh, 6,000. Know, he he always has the capability to drop 25 actual points alongside uh, everything else as he did in the uh, Miami game and drop 38 DK points there. So I think Sabonis and Brogdon are just a little bit outside of my price range. And, you know, I always love Turner, but again, better center options today. Uh, Duarte and Levert are probably the main guys I'm looking at as far as Indiana is concerned. I thought for sure you're going to say Turner just because you do <laughs> always mention him. You love him. And he dropped 64 DK points on him earlier in the year. I'm pretty sure it was an overtime game. Uh, so I'll take that for what it's worth. But this is also where I think, I think correct me. I mean, you're the Miles Turner guy. I think he had his career <laughs> high against him, which was 40 actual points. Yes. So it was, uh, it was a little outlandish. I don't expect him to ever take. Yeah. I think he had 22 shot attempts in that game. Uh, I don't think I'll have 22 shot attempts in this game, uh, but at 5,900, there is probably better options. I'm keeping my player pool for now. I've been playing Duarte the past few nights. It's left me a little underwhelmed. Um, he's the one guy that as lineups are locking, I'm looking at him and I'm, you know, on a smaller slate, I'd probably like a little more. I'm going to keep him in my player pool for now because, like you said, earlier in the year, he showed promise. He was putting up some, you know, 30 DK point nights, 35. I think he even had a 40 in there. So the upside is there. It's just tough when he's sharing the shot attempts with Karis LeVert, Brogdon, Sabonis. It's, now he's playing fourth, maybe even fifth fiddle 
uh, if Miles Turner's having a good night. So I think those are the two guys I really have the most interest in. Outside of that, I'll probably be taking a pass on everybody else. So we'll keep it moving. Fourth game of the night, Memphis Grizzlies traveling to Miami, taking on the Heat for the Grizzlies. Kyle Anderson, Sam Merrill, John Morant, Zaire. Oh, nope, Zaire's questionable. So Ja, Sam, Kyle Anderson all rolled out. Brandon Clark is doubtful. Zaire Williams, Williams is questionable, but doesn't really have much of a role for DFS that we need to be interested in anyway. And as of right now, let me just double check, 216 game total. So we'll start off looking at this Memphis team. It's been a team that a lot of people have been going to the well on with John Morant being out. Obviously, we know that there's going to be uh, usage of plenty being passed around. And we've just been seeing Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson, the, th- the group of that three, the trio, they've just been absorbing it. And I mean, after that OKC game, I, I was shocked. I don't know if you happen to see that one. I hope you didn't. If you're especially if you're an OKC fan, I apologize. Plug your ears. But it was just abysmal defense being played. They were just having their way with them up and down the floor. Uh, I think it set an NBA record. I could be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure it was an NBA record set for one of the largest margins of victory. But I think Desmond Bain is getting up there in price tag now at 6,800. There's a lot of options on this slate that are around that 6,800 range uh, that maybe uh, end up being a little bit more enticing. I mean, we just talked about a couple in uh, in that Charlotte game that at the end of the day, I probably end up going there. You know, he's a lights out three point shooter. He's like a three point specialist. He could get it done. The nine rebounds in the last game are a little bit, you know, abnormal for him. He's usually floating around that four to six range. So I just don't want to bank on the the shooting to be there. It's going to be a tough matchup against Miami, if, especially if Jimmy does play, which right now he's not in the injury report. So we're assuming he uh, he does. Actually, I didn't even read the, the injury report. I'm sorry. Bam is ruled out. Marcus Garrett ruled out. Markeith Morris is out. Victor Oladipo is out. And Jimmy's actually questionable. I'm expecting Jimmy to play in this one, though. So I don't want to just necessarily go right back to the well. I think Dylan Brooks is one guy at 6,400 where he's not even – over the past two games, I've been actually shocked at his shot attempts. This is one dude I was expecting to have the Desmond Bain shot attempts around the 20 range. So that should probably get back to the norm. Uh, but for me – I just don't – I'm not gravitating towards this team that much right now. I think, you know, Melton, Tyus Jones, both those guys are firmly in play just because we know that they're going to have the usage. Tyus Jones put a back-to-back 35-point DK games. Uh, he's going to continue to start a point guard. He's going to continue to play big minutes. He's good for steals. He's good for assists. He'll chip in a couple rebounds here and there. Uh, and then Melton, if they feel comfortable and they actually play him, like they played him 26 against Dallas, Yep, he could easily get it done any given night. So those are the two guys I'm really looking at. I know you're going to mention Jaron Jackson. You always do. I'm a huge Jaron Jackson fan, but let me hear the reasons. I'm, you, you convince me. Why should I play him? I mean, it all comes down to, first and foremost, about matchups. He's going to be up against, most likely, Dwayne Dedman for this vast majority of it. Otherwise, they don't have much size. Without Bam over there, they just don't have a guy who can chase him out. And it's just one of those where he's definitely going to get up a large portion of three-point attempts. In a quick hurry, he didn't have a great game against Miami the first time around. Only played 23 minutes in that game. 0 of 8, but it was a game in which Bam did a lot of damage to him. So it's not like I'm, I'm jumping out of my seat to be able to take Jaron Jackson at 7,200, given that you know you could go and get Oubre for 5,800. You can go and get uh, you know even Miles Turner or one of the other centers that are coming out for a you know, slightly cheaper price with probably similar upside. Uh, but what you mentioned about uh, Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton, those are probably the main guys I'd be looking at with this specific slate, especially Melton, which again, he's into the four thousands. Now his minutes are consistently going up. And to me, it's, it's a no brainer that he should be playing somewhere near that 28 to 30 minutes. And I think they're finally finding that that is absolutely the case. I mean, he's just such a positive on the defensive end for him. And even though his uh, shot itself has been a little shaky, I mean, even at the free throw line, he's been just, you know, stinking it up in the last couple of games, but he's always got that upside from the defensive stats so that even if his uh, shots aren't necessarily going, he'll easily pay off that value. And I always like him for his price tag, anything 5,000 and under, you can lock him in for me. All right, we'll slide over to the Heat then. Uh, if Jimmy plays, I think it's pretty simple for us. Uh, everybody, I'm, I'm not playing hero if Jimmy plays. I think Lowry would still be in play a little bit, and Jimmy's always in play at 9,400. That's a good salary for him, so I wouldn't mind looking at him. Don't know if he'd be one of my spend-ups, but if Jimmy sits, Kyle Lowry, hero, would be the two guys I'm looking at. You can even throw in a Duncan Robinson. I'm just not going to try to bank on two games like that happening in a row. 
So that's that's pretty much it for me. I'm not playing Deadman at 5K. He, you know, he's an okay play, but now he's getting to the territory where, you know, he's played two two games in a row uh, with 25 minutes or less. You know, he had that 31 against Cleveland, but I just don't trust it. Um, I'd need him to play 30 plus minutes in order for him to pay off that 5K salary for the most part in GPPs. Yeah, but again, it just comes down to better options that are there with you know, just safer options to be able to take. Deadman, his upside is pretty much capped at that price tag. Even if he has a great night, he'll drop 30. And honestly, for 5000 you could probably do better with the other options out there. Uh, the Jimmy Butler scenario is probably what will have me deciding between uh, the Duncan Robinson pick or not. And, you know, it's it's the same Sadiq Bay situation. <laughs> if he's going to go ahead and do it for his price tag, he's going to get the shots up. He obviously was absolutely terrible for the last... Long stretch of time as far as his three-pointers were concerned before finally getting it back on track in the last two games. So, you know, this could be a kind of matchup where, you know, all that gravity that gets created, assuming Jimmy Butler is there, gives Duncan Robinson the opportunities to be able to take advantage and get, you know, his eight, nine three-point attempts up and put up five or six of them, maybe. But other than that, yeah, there's not too much excitement as far as the Heat are concerned. But I guess that's how they like it. They just play consistent basketball. They love being boring. It's it's like Heat culture. Uh to just, you know, be the under under the radar, but consistent team. Yep. Uh, on to the next one. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Denver Nuggets traveling to Chicago. They are taking on the Bulls for the injury report. Alex Caruso is doubtful. Javante Green, Kobe White, Patrick Williams all ruled out for the Nuggets. Ball ball. P.J. Dozier, Bones Highland, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Austin Rivers have all been ruled out as well. So still missing a lot of their wing and guard depth. 214 game total. Talk about the Nuggets. Jokic is 12K. Absolutely. And I mean, it's all about how much you want to read into how well Jokic has done against the Chicago Bulls. Obviously, the team is slightly different than what they've had last year. But just to throw it out there, last year he was 37-15-9 and in his two games against them, shooting 60% from the field. So just... Absolutely monstrous against the Chicago Bulls. He's just love the matchup regardless. And it's not like Vucevic has ever been all that great against uh, against Jokic in the matchups they've had. So, you know, he's my favorite stud. I'll go ahead and throw it out there. Uh, Jokic in this kind of matchup in a close game, uh, you know, in an away game where he's likely going to want to keep uh, establishing that he is still in that MVP race, even though Curry's running away with it, just continues to be that guy who can easily put up 60-65 on a given night. He's going to get the opportunities here. And, no, the rest of the guys here with Will Barton priced up is likely just a little less interesting to me. I know we just saw the Zeke Naji game on this last one, but uh, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and uh, avoid that one. Don't want to chase too much of the box score as far as that's concerned. But the rest are just at pretty much fair price tags. You know, Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, all these guys are at pretty much you know, capped upside as far as their prices are concerned. So it's really Jokic or bust as far as Denver is concerned for me. I'm right there with you. I'm not chasing the Zeke uh, Najee game as well. Just kind of taking the wait and see approach. He did play 34 minutes. It was also a blowout. Uh, but even though you know it was a blowout, it feels like they're they're slowly integrating him a little bit more. So keep an eye on it. He could be a guy that if he's playing 24 to 25 minutes, we could start looking at. But as of right now, I'm not willing to put my bankroll on that. On to the Chicago side of things. Definitely gets a little interesting with Caruso being doubtful. I think uh, Derek Jones Jr. comes into play as uh, one of our more comfortable value plays at 3,600. He could definitely get it done for us. Uh, has dual eligibility. Played 33 minutes in that last one. Only eight actual points, but coupled with the defensive abilities that he does have, he's super athletic, super bouncy, uh, can get the blocks, can get the steals. So I definitely wanted to keep an eye on Derek Jones Jr. Definitely think he's in play for value at 3,600. It has the making to slate to feel very stars and scrubby. So one of the guys that you could couple with Anish Smith and some of these other value plays that we're going to get to in a little while. Outside of them, I just don't want to pay the premium price tags on DeRozan and Levine on this type of slate. So I think for me, it's really just going to be Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, it's the only guy I had lined up to. It's going to be a game I actually enjoy watching just because I expect it to be a super tight one all the way through and, you know, DeRozan's been playing out of his mind, but hey, his price tag is not reflecting that. So yeah, no upside there as far as those guys are concerned. So just move it on. Moving on to the next game we have. Cleveland traveling to Milwaukee, taking on the Bucks here. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Uh, Cleveland on the second end of a back-to-back, so no injury report for them, but for the Bucks. Grayson Allen, Giannis, and George Hill are all questionable. Dante DiVincenzo rolled out. Brooke Lopez just went underwent back surgery, so he is out as well. 
along with Semi Ojale. Uh, as of right now, this game looks like it's coming in at a 215 game total. I'll pass it over to you. Talk about Cleveland, and they've been red hot. Yeah, they've been really, really good. And it's really come on the back of a guy I just can't ignore anymore, which is Darius Garland. I mean, I've got him in my real fantasy teams all across the board, but uh, from a you know, DK standpoint, I've just been kind of you know, been iffy as far as his price tag is concerned to see whether he truly starts to embrace his offensive role and get more aggressive on it. And that's exactly what we've been seeing in the last two games now. I mean, to put up 54 against Utah, excellent effort. 59 in the game before that against Washington, and he just continues to be more just that much more comfortable. And we know Milwaukee's always going to be a super tough defensive matchup. And see, that's where I actually think Darius Garland's finding himself to be taking himself to that next level, that uh, matchup proof, wanting to have those tough defensive matchups and do that. So today he got a lot of uh, Donovan Mitchell against them and he did really, really well. They just you know, just lost out at the end over there. It was a really, really good game to watch all the way through. But at 7,900, I mean, he's got the upside now to be able to drop uh, 50 on any given night. He's a guy you could probably go with as a good pivot. I don't expect that uh, you know, too, too many people are going to be jumping on him. And with that shooting guard eligibility, that just it makes him that much more exciting to be able to pick and otherwise Ricky Rubio just continues to be in play all the way through it's I mean his price tag is pretty fair for what he can do and it was really just a shot that needed to come back shooting around 25 to 30 percent for like five six games in a row but he finally got himself back on track in this game and even though the ancillary stats weren't necessarily there you know you can usually count on him to be able to get six to seven dimes alongside the trickle of steals and rebounds he gets so if he gets a shot on track, he'll likely be able to drop 35, if not close to 40 as well. So he's he's also in play. I'm really just looking at the two top guys, uh, Jared Allen and Garland. Both these dudes have just really taken their game. You said it with Garland uh, to a next like a new level this season. Uh, Jared Allen's been extremely efficient, uh, probably one of the most efficient players in the NBA this season. Um, coupled with his rebounding upside, where I, I can't even remember. Uh, looks like. Back on Boston on uh, November 13th was the last time he didn't have double-digit rebounds. But he's taken at least, you know, feels like 10 shots a game. And he's very efficient from the rim. They're pretty much putbacks. They're pretty much dunks. We know that Milwaukee's pretty vulnerable at the center position. So 8,400, he's not, I'm not going to say he's my top center, just because I think there's some better value out there. But when you're looking at cash games and just you, want, you have the money and just somebody who routinely is putting up 40 DK points a night, uh, he's definitely an option. And I think Garland, he's very much in play for me. I don't know if I'll fall on him all that much, uh, simply because I think, yeah, I know you said you don't think he's going to draw ownership. I think he does, just because there's people at box score chase and they're going to see 250 DK point games in a row. Uh, I normally don't love targeting guards going against Drew Holiday. It's just a pet peeve of mine. I, you know, I've been watching Drew Holiday for the past, uh, I would say, six years routinely just because he's one of my favorite players. And he he puts clamps on people. Uh, there's no doubt about it. The guy is extremely, extremely good. So I'll probably, I'm not going to say I'm going to avoid him. I'll keep him in my player pool. I just said it to start. But I don't know where I fall on ownership-wise. Like, how much do I actually get? Uh, on to the Milwaukee side of things. Obviously, we need to wait on Giannis. It's just that simple. If Giannis plays, you know, we're, we're probably not spending up on these guys like Drew Holiday and Middleton. Both of them getting a massive price increase. With Giannis off the floor. Same thing with Bobby Portis. Now he's up to 7,800, coming off of a big game. But I, I can't play these guys if Giannis plays, if Giannis sits. It's still a premium price tag for these guys where you really need everything to kind of go right. Um, you know, like Drew Holiday when it, it is, is probably not paying off that price tag, 85. Uh, Middleton, he could pay it off, but it's not going to be by a lot. I mean, he could have a 50 point game coming. I haven't seen one in a long time from him. And then Bobby Portis going against the, the, the group of Mobley. And Jared Allen, it's going to be a tough matchup for him. They're going to need his size, bottom line. Um, they're going to probably throw Cousins out there for at least 15 minutes in this one, I imagine. So I just don't love these price tags. And that's what it comes down to. I like the matchup for him. I just don't love the price tags. Yeah, and I think you've pretty much hit that. I was actually hoping that Cousins can get to 18 minutes on this one because I think he'll easily pay it off if he does that, uh, just going up against Jared Allen. But yeah, it's between um, if Giannis is out and then I start to look at you know those, those cheap centers they have there. Uh, I, mean, I know I'm going to butcher the name, but Mamu Kalashvili got to uh, play, you know, mid 20s minutes in each of the two games that he gotten so far. Shown great rebounding upside, and it's just one of those guys who's just great off the ball, diving to the rim. So yeah, 3400 again. Centers is not often a spot that you can get you know, decent value for that kind of price tag. So if Giannis is out, maybe he gets into my player pool as well. Just 
given everything else out there. But yeah, the rest of them are just priced too fair for my liking. Let's just put that. I'm so glad you attempted his name and not me. We all know how that would have <laughs> went, man. It would have been brutal. Um, funny, funny thing enough, I was talking to my buddy about it, and he's like, "Yeah, we were watching, we were watching this Bucks game." Uh, friend from back home, so I was on I was on speakerphone with him when the game was on. He was like, you know how long it took me to learn onto the Kumpo and how to say onto the Kumpo, and now they go out and get this guy. He's like, this is gonna take forever. Uh, he is a Bucks fan, so uh, <laughs> uh, looking on this next game. But before we get to it, quick shout out to Manscaped guys. Head over to Manscaped.com. We talk about them. We try their products. We love their products, and I recommend you to do the same. If you use that promo code HoopBall20, you get 20% off plus free shipping on all their premium products, including their Perfect Package Kit, the Lawnmower 4.0, and everything else that they have to offer. The number one male grooming company out there. Uh, you hear about them a lot for a reason, and simply because they are one of the most notable. They are one of the most trustworthy. They also have one of the best customer service departments. So if you ever have any issues, they will be there to help you. And I can tell you, you probably won't. I've had the Lawnmower 3.0. Uh, the says my tracking says the 4.0 should be here in the mail uh, tomorrow, but I have had an issue with 3.0 since I've had it, and it is all fantastic products, guys. So head over to Manscaped, use that promo code HoopBall20. All right, next game. Excuse me if you hear my maniac dog in the background. Atlanta Hawks traveling to Minnesota. Hawks second half of the back-to-back, no injury report for the Timberwolves though. Patrick Beverly is questionable. Jalen Noel is questionable. D'Angelo Russell is questionable. And Carl Anthony Towns is questionable. So Russell dealing with that right ankle soreness. Towns, we know, missed that last game due to a tailbone contusion. Everything I'm reading says that he's most likely to play. That is Towns. But what are you looking at in this Atlanta team? Second half of the back-to-back for him. Yeah, and as far as Atlanta is concerned, it's just, again, the price tags are very solid for what they have been doing up till now. I mean, Trey Young has been consistently breaking out but now he's past that uh, 10k mark where even though he has the upside to give you that 55 63 as he's done the last you know three out of the last two out of the last three games it's just uh one of those where i don't necessarily love going ahead and putting him in a back-to-back I just don't think atlanta likes to uh, really drag their guys to play a lot of minutes in back-to-backs they'll spread it out a little bit more and ensure that these guys remain fresh uh, kevin herter stays in play for me just because he's getting his shots up now and i mean even if he had that 38 in the last game not necessarily even chasing that it was just more confidence for how he's playing and getting that usage he's definitely enjoying the time that uh, bogdan bogdanovich is out he's been the major beneficiary as far as usage rate usage rate is concerned so at 5k he's definitely in play for me again with that small forward eligibility becomes a guy that uh, i take a little bit of interest in and john collins at 7100 he's probably the one guy on a back-to-back situation where they'll probably still run him uh, out there i mean the last back-to-back they had he still had i believe 34 or 36 minutes on the second one so you know, pretty solid play as far as he's concerned but uh, yeah not too too much interest from an upside perspective but i think uh, in in kevin herter they have a, a guy who can at least give you you know 35 for his price tag at the moment yeah, and I actually want to keep an eye on Trey Young just because he came into Sunday's game questionable with knee soreness. Uh, and then at one point he banged his knee in the game and he looked like he was not like necessarily hobbled, but he was wincing a little bit. He was rubbing it. Uh, so this could be a scenario where we end up seeing him sit. We don't have the injury report, so we don't know yet, but it wouldn't shock me if he does. And if, if that happens, I think, you know, DeLon Wright, the Williams, both those guys would come into play. And then obviously big boost for guys like Collins, Werder, Gallinari. So that's kind of the situation I'm monitoring, but I think Werder's in play either way. The dude's just been uh, lights out. He's been one of their big guys that has stepped up in the absence of guys like Cam Reddish. Uh, and the shot attempts have to go somewhere. Uh, you know, without Bogdanovich, without Hunter, without Reddish, it's not just going to be Trey. It's not just going to be Collins. Uh, Werder's been playing that third fiddle for him, and he's been doing a splendid job. Dual eligibility, that always helps. So, you know, I, I kind of want to go back to the well on Capella on this one, but. You know, hasn't scored more than eight points over the last three games, but this is easily one of those matchups where he could bust out of that little slump that he's been in. It is a back-to-back, which always worries you, especially when you're talking about guys with limited minutes and this, this, and that. And, you know, he's dealing with Achilles soreness probably for the past three and a half years, it feels like. But I love targeting centers going against him, uh, going against Carl Anthony Towns, so I'm going to keep him in my player pool. So it's really just Collins, Werder, Capella. For me, unless we see Trey Young sits, and then I think we could take some stabs at some more guard value. Just when you know, what? Why not get more? Uh, but I don't think we have enough on this slate. Uh, sliding over to the other side of the ball, a lot of names questionable here. If Cat sits, I think we're going right back to the well with guys like Nas Reed, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's price tag all the way up to five five now, though. So 
little less enticing, but the rebounds will continue to be there. Always getting defensive stats that we'd love to see as well. Uh, if we see that Towns plays, I'm not playing Vanderbilt or Nas Reed. It's just that simple. Now, Anthony Edwards coming in at 81. If Russell and Towns are out, this dude might shoot 33 times. But is he going to be enough to be able to keep this game in check is my one worry because uh, once you start taking out some of these big guns, it is a pretty lackluster roster. Um, you know, Towns and Russell both sit. If Beverly sits, you know, Beasley comes into play. It's a lot of mixing and matching, a lot of options that we have, but it's just tough to make decisions right now without the news. And if they all play, to be honest, I probably won't have many shares of any of them. Yeah, it's completely fair. And honestly, I'm surprised that Carlton Towns is actually leaning towards the probable side because, one, I watch a lot of Minnesota games and that fall was nasty. It was uh, really, really like bad straight onto his tailbone. I was actually worried that uh, he wouldn't be able to really walk too well after that. He had to go straight to the bench. He had to lie down completely sideways. And uh, yeah, it was it was bad. So I'm surprised that if he's able to get through, I think he might just be you know, warrioring, warrioring it. But I don't think he'll have the uh, mobility. Is that a pun be because he's eventually going to yeah. trade into the Warriors? Uh, I hope well, I know actually, I don't know if he'd want to be able to get into that <laughs> scenario, but that'd be cool. But yeah, so as far as Cat's concerned, I mean, the price tag continues to be amazing for me. Anytime under 10K, as I've said, not only in my articles and all the pods, I love taking Cat in any of those scenarios, but not in, in this one because I just don't trust him to be uh, at 100%, just given the fact the way that he fell. I just, I just can't see anyone coming back from that right away. Uh, Malik Beasley, though, is in play for me uh, just because I think D'Lo has been one of those guys, similar to, you know, we talked off air about Porzingis, that guy who's just always nicked up, always finds a way to be off the floor on just basic things uh, in this case he's got ankle soreness and i wouldn't be surprised if he went up and sat and because of that malik beasley got an opportunity to put up another 19 shots as he did in the uh in the brooklyn game and you know even though he was six of 19 he was able to pay off his value there and uh, he's always got enough upside to be able to hit those threes he's not going to shoot 28 percent from three given most scenarios he's been a pretty close to 40 percent shooter for the vast majority of his career so i like him as an actual player and uh, i think this is a one of those games where you know, if any of these guys are out, I think Malik Beasley is the one who could uh, have a have a big night and be good value for you. I'll never forget when his dad shunned me on Twitter. Uh, true story. Yeah, I said Monty Morris was better than his son. And I didn't say that directly to him. I was just talking simply for a DFS perspective because Jamal Murray was out one night uh, when they were all on the Nuggets. And uh, his dad favorited my tweet and did not very uh, did not take kindly to it. But it's still How true. How did Beasley do that night? I, th- yep. I think Beasley actually outplayed him. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Beasley outplayed Morris. It wasn't by much. It was like one got like 24 DK points. The other one got 28. Uh, but I'm, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure Beasley did have the better night. And I, you know, his dad was right. I don't know what to say. You uh, <laughs> beat me there, but we'll move on. Enough of that. No, uh, I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I should have said that. Uh, next game, San Antonio Spurs traveling to Phoenix, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. This one should be should be pretty good for fantasy is what I imagine. Devin Booker's still out. Frank Kaminsky, as we know, is out. Uh, Dario Sarge won't be back anytime soon. Abdul Nader is out as well for the Spurs. Arcata Bates-Diop is questionable. And Devin Vassell's questionable. Zach Collins is still out. This game is right now coming in at a game total of 218.5. I don't know if we mentioned Atlantis, but 221 if we didn't. 218.5 for this one. Uh, for the Spurs, I think there is some decent some decent options here. DeJounte Murray is always one of my favorite plays because he never draws any sort of ownership. Uh, he's very consistent. I think the only time that he has bad games are when me and uh, Harris are actually both on him. But we got away with one the other night, man. Uh, he had a, he had he had, a, he had a good game in that other one, so we'll take that. Uh, but he's in play for me for sure, and he's going to be one of those top three options I talked about as far as spend ups uh, that I alluded to earlier in the show. This is just a good matchup for him. Uh, I'm expecting this to be a fairly competitive game, but at ten two, a guy that routinely puts up fifty could get that sixty point upside. He actually had a fifty nine point game against them earlier in the year, and that was on forty forty one percent shooting. So he triple doubled uh, with eighteen ten and eleven. I don't know if he's a triple-double in this one again, but a guy that just routinely has that consistency, 10K, and I know he's always got that upside locked in there. Phoenix scares a lot of people off. It uh, doesn't really necessarily for me, though. So, you know, a guy that I'm expecting to probably be on the lower end of the ownership as well. So sign me up. I'm good with some DeJounte outside of him. I think Pirtle, uh at 6K, very much in play. Another guy who's just routinely very consistent. Never gets you much less than 30 if he does. 
And he has that 40-point upside somewhere baked in there. With a ton of centers on the slate, do I end up falling on him? I don't know, but he's in play for me. So those are the two main guys I'm looking at, and you're going to sit here and tell me why I should play Derek White. I know you are, <laughs> but I won't do it. I just never do. I do don't it. know why, but tell me why. Tell me why. Convince me. It's, one, the, the shooting guard eligibility of a guy who's just got the capability to do so many things off the ball, and he just consistently finds himself in situations where he can go ahead and put his value up. In the last three out of the last four games, he's easily paid off his value there, 42, 42, and a 38. And it's just one of those where watching him play, he's just one of those guys that has a slow start, but once he gets in the groove, he's just you know, the ultimate Swiss Army knife for Greg Popovich. He puts them in so many different lineups, in so many different situations to be able to go and be successful out there for him. And more importantly, he's also finding himself attacking the rim a lot more. Got to eight free throws in the last game as well and played really well in that Golden State game. And that's, I mind, a much tougher matchup than the Phoenix one, despite whatever the records say. So, yeah, Derek White, for anything in my mind, 60, uh, 68, 6,900 and below is always in my player pool. I just like having him there. And I've done... Yeah, I've had him in for all of these last matchups that he's had. Derek White's been in my lineups and three out of those four. He's done pretty well. In fact, even paid off the 6300 one. So I like him. I like the uh, matchup and he's probably going to get, you know, a lot of uh, Mikhail Bridges on the other side, which is probably the one worry. Honestly, he's like the one defender on the Phoenix Suns. I'm actually afraid of in general. I think he's uh, super underrated and always you know, the warden or the sheriff or whatever they call him now, but he's just absolutely nasty in terms of locking down very similar to Drew Holiday in terms of how they uh, go about uh, their business. And yeah, that's one spot that might be of a little bit concerned, but I think that's actually why I'm leaning more towards the Derek White thing, because much like DeJounte Murray, he's likely going to have low ownership because of things like that, because of worries about Phoenix, but he's got the upside to be able to put up 40 on any given night. All right. You did a good job. That's I, I just like to get you fired up so that <laughs> our listeners can get the, you know, the best out of you uh, when, when, when you got to convincingly, you know, talk about one of your players. I knew that was coming. That's why. Uh, no, he's, he's actually going to be, he's going to be in my player pool, but I still, at the end of the day, I still don't think I'm going to land on him all too, too much. Uh, just cause we, we already talked about so much guard value. And if I want to spend up, He'd be the pivot off of the DeJounte and, and some of those lineups. It's just that simple for me. Uh, I'll probably end up with more ownership on DeJounte than I will Derek White, but I will have a couple shares of him. Don't get me wrong. Now, talk about Phoenix. Um, with no Devin Booker, we've been seeing a decent amount of Shamit, a decent amount of uh, Cam Johnson as well. But are you know those guys in play for you? Is there anybody else that stands out to you? Yeah, and like that that 4,000 block of area as far as Phoenix is concerned just screams out value to me on any given night given Devin Booker being out. And we see Jay Crowder continue to find different ways to be able to put up value. But all those guys have the upside between Crowder, Cam Johnson, and even Campaign, who I actually like a little bit more than the uh, other three. I mean, he, had, he went three of 17 on the last game, but he shot 31 times in the last two games. And he's just going to continue to get all that usage, especially in the second unit, where right now Phoenix has often found lineups in which they stagger with Booker with that second unit. And that's where the usage ends up going. But right now, without that campaign is getting all the shots that he can handle. And really, as long as he can get to even half decent Even low 40%, he's got the upside to easily hit uh, low 30s, if not mid 30s. So I really like him as my pivot. And again, that something about that shooting guard eligibility always gets me uh, gets me going. So he's uh, he's definitely the guy of those values that are in play for me. But even just from the the top end, I mean, I just think the price tags are pretty good for what uh, I potentially expect a competitive game to be. So for Chris Paul at 8300. Uh, he's going to get a lot of opportunities to be able to get it to Aiton, who, again, at 7,400 is also you know, a very, very solid play. Both those guys have you know, floors at that value. So at cash games, these are probably you know, some of my favorite guys to be able to go in. But yeah, GPP, maybe a little less so. But still, if it's a game that goes close, you know Chris Paul is going to get more opportunities in that fourth quarter. His usage is going to go up in those situations, and that's when he gets his shot attempts up into the the mid-teens, and that's when he can really give you that upside of being able to drop 50 on a given night. So I think this will be one of those games, so Chris Paul is definitely in play for me, and then by extension, DeAndre Aiden gets in there as well. Though, if I'm talking about the the different centers, I actually think uh, Pirtle on the other side is a more exciting center to me from a price tag perspective than Aiden, but both are in play for sure. Yeah, I think Aiden might have just slightly higher upside. Um, actually, I think he had, he, if I remember correctly, he had a big game against him earlier in the area. I put up 45 and a half TK points on them earlier in the season. Uh, so extra shot attempts, they might actually uh, look down to him a little bit more knowing that Booker's not in there. But I think you said everything perfect. I don't really need to add much more. Uh, very cashy type plays to me. 
but a couple of them do have some tournament upside. Only two games left on the docket, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. We have Orlando traveling to Golden State, taking on the Warriors here. For Golden State, Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson, James Wiseman, all out for the Magic. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, Ethan Moore, and Jalen Suggs all remain out as well. This game's coming in at a 215 game total. No spread, which pretty similar to everything else that we've talked about tonight. No spread's really available right now. But we can imagine it's probably going to be around that 10 to 12 mark is what I would guess. But talk about Orlando for us. Um, not the greatest matchup for him, but is there anybody that stands out to you? Yeah, not the greatest matchup. And I'm, I'm kind of sad that Franz Wagner is getting up to that 6,000 standpoint because he's actually been a guy I've really enjoyed taking for the last little while. Watching him just grow in general from one of those rookies that was super consistent to start with, but... Uh, was more of a, as you can say, steel specialist and kind of an efficient shot taker rather than a shot creator. But you're starting to find a lot more of that now. And, you know, for those who don't know, uh, when I grew up in uh, in the UAE, Orlando Magic was the only team they used to show over there because Shaquille O'Neal was a huge stud. So I grew up as an Orlando fan just by default. So it's just one of those teams that I'll always watch. And I was really hoping that Dwight Howard would have pulled through. But because of that, I've got to see a lot of Franz Wagner. And he's been a guy that's just gotten better and better. And you're actually going to start to see him get more into that rookie of the year conversation if he continues to be this level of consistent. So, I mean, 6,000 is a price tag that still offers that upside. I mean, he's been putting up mid thirties pretty consistently. He's got the capability to put up uh, 40 on a given night and they really do need his offense, especially uh, from his capability to be able to hit uh, the, uh, the three point shot off the dribble to give a little bit of pressure off of Cole Anthony. So I still like him at his current price tag. I probably will avoid the Mo Bamba slash Wendell Carter situation because just given the fact that Golden State loves to go small, it's just one of those matchups that you're likely going to find that they kind of throw him out there in bits and spurts. They may not get the kind of minutes, especially on Mo Bamba's side, where you know if he can get to mid-30s, then he's obviously got the upside to uh, put up 40 on a night and he gets more exciting to me. But a Golden State matchup is never one where I like to take centers. So Franz Wagner is the main guy in play for me, and uh, Cole Anthony will likely be a pivot off. But uh, to be honest, at that 8000 price tag, there's Darius Garland going back as far as Cleveland's concerned. That's probably more exciting to me, but uh, he might be a pivot off that for me. Yeah, I don't really like anybody in this game in general, uh, for the most part. I think, you know, you mentioned Cole Anthony. He's a solid option. You know, if this game were to stay close, it's going to be a lot due to him and a lot due to that front court. You know, we said it. Plenty of times. Golden State limits other centers. Uh, there's only one way you can kind of counter that, and it's uh, beat them down with that mat, with that lineup. But odds are uh, they're going to get taken advantage of from behind that three-point line with Steph and Poole, even Wiggins. So I'm just not really enticed by this matchup all that much on either side of the ball. I don't want to pay the 11-7 for Curry, knowing that we have you know Murray at much, much cheaper price tag. We have Jokic for only $300 more. I'd rather go to both those other options. So sign me up over there. Uh, and everybody else is just appropriately priced. You know, Jordan Poole is continuing his breakout tour. Uh, we've seen a couple of big games in there, but the games that aren't big, he's not paying off that $6,200 price tag. So I don't see myself going to much of anything outside of, you know, maybe a couple of pivot plays. And if I play anybody on, on Orlando, I'll probably want to run it back in, in the lineup where Steph is one of my spend up, something along those lines, because if this game stays close, Steph could easily put up an actual, you know, 35 point game here, which all of a sudden you're looking at 50 to 60 DK points. But I'm just not going to do that in, you know, cash or GP or, or uh, single entry GPPs or anything like that. It would mostly be like a multiple lineup type build. Fair enough. I think the one guy on Golden State I'm probably looking at is just Otto Porter, given the fact that he got the rest game off, and they usually find that uh, they'll play him more minutes in the first game and then kind of have him relax off so i could easily see him getting to that 30 minutes mark for them and you know at 4600 he's had you know, two out of the last three games where he's done really really well just because of the fact that he's one of those you know, swiss army guys he's everywhere and they're getting more shots out of him and just in more lineups that he's involved even when pool's running the offense they'll have him there and then still run him with the second unit as well so just a lot of different options to be able to put him in and that small forward eligibility at 4600 i think he's in play for me all right final game of the night it is a 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. L.A. Clippers traveling to Portland. For the Clippers, Batum has been ruled out despite his questionable tag on D.K. Kawhi Leonard's still out, as we know. Not going to be back, if even, until maybe March. Uh, and then for the Trailblazers, Damian Lillard is out. C.J. McCollum is probable. Anthony Simons sprained his ankle. 
uh, in that last one. Looked pretty bad. He's probably going to miss at least a couple weeks is what I imagine. He is ruled out. Nasir Little is questionable. Uh, right now, this game looks like it is coming in with a game total of 221 and a half. So a nice little late night hammer. Uh, is expected to be pretty high scoring. So why don't you talk about this Clippers team, Paul George at 10-6. Do you prefer him or Murray? Uh, between them, I definitely prefer Murray. And honestly, Paul George is like of the three major big guys between Murray, Embiid, and Jokic. They definitely take the cake of the you know ones that I take. So Paul George is likely not. And honestly, none of the other Clippers are really jumping out to me, though. Uh, in a in a matchup where you're likely going to see Nurkic get to play more, Zubac definitely comes into play. It's just one of those matchups where you know he gets to bang uh, against a guy, you know, big muscular one gets to have the opportunity to play somewhere close to that 29 minutes that he got to do in the last game, and you know, he got up against Rashawn Holmes, got up against uh, Metu. He's likely going to get that kind of scenario again against um, against Yusuf Nurkic. So. That upside gets there. He's going to get his double-digit rebounds. He'll probably get the opportunity to put up anywhere between six to eight shots, and he's always super efficient there. So a low-end double-double with a couple of defensive stats there will easily get him into that uh, low 30s. So he's definitely in play at 5,100. Beyond that, if you look at the box score, Marcus Morris has been excellent over the last two games. It's just one of those uh, guys that Clippers just need the offense from because outside of Paul George, both Ray Jackson and Eric Bledsoe have just been terrible from an efficiency standpoint, especially Eric Bledsoe. So they've had to find more guys to be able to help them out. And uh, with Batum out, you've been finding more lineups in which Marcus is going to get his opportunities. And uh, I said, if it's not him, then Zubac is going to be there. So both those guys are my uh, major guys to be able to look at. Yep. Perfect. Right there. George Morris, the only two guys I'm looking at Uh, on the other side of the ball. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. starting in place of Simons and Lillard, uh, getting an extremely expensive price tag now, went all the way up from near minimum salary uh, at 3400 to now 5300 So came out, had a great game, took 14 shot attempts, ended up putting up over 40 DK points. I'm a big Dennis Smith Jr. fan. I, you know, I thought this guy was going to be the truth. <laughs> I really did uh, when, when he was selected in the draft. Uh, I wasn't sad to see him go. <laughs> because I ended up getting us a return of Chris stops for pennies on the dollar. At 5,300, he's in play. Um, he's still in play just because there's somebody that's going to have to take shot attempts. It can't it can't be all CJ. I'm not paying that 9K for CJ. Powell's going to be the other guy that's going to get the rest of the shot attempts, but just hasn't looked good all season long, in my opinion. Uh, he'll probably end up getting a decent amount of that Paul George defense as well. So I think Dennis Smith Jr. is probably one of the lone rangers on this Portland team that I can really consider. And I think Nurkic's in play. He's played great against this team, but he's only averaging about 24 minutes, coupled with almost 35 DK point average. So it's really going to come down to the minutes. I can't trust him in cash or single entry, but I think in tournaments you could definitely take a stab at him. Uh, It's just that simple. Where If he were to get 30-plus minutes, which maybe now he does, because now we're talking about a team that has a Baca back. So they have a couple options that they could play at center. So I'll consider him and... You know, Robert Covington, you just can't trust the minutes at this point. The past few games have been blowouts. Granted, that that's really limited him. And, you know, there's worse value plays, but I just don't see myself landing on him. So I probably think it's just Dennis Smith Jr. for me. And I expect to be slightly under the field as far as ownership. I'm not going to go just full on head headstrong into this one. Yeah. Well, on the topic of Dennis Smith, I'm actually surprised you had a more uh, positive outlook because I have other cousins in Dallas, other big Mavericks fans, and they're just super jaded about uh, Dennis Smith. You know, just the way he not not only played, but just the attitude, everything about him just screamed that he was much bigger than he was. So it was just one of those scenarios where obviously didn't work out well for him. But yeah, tonight, absolutely a great play at 5,300. He's got the upside to be able to put up points in a hurry and He's just one of those you know, usage hogs, very similar to like a Dylan Brooks kind of scenario where if he has an opportunity where he can go ahead and and you know, put up as many uh, shot opportunities or be involved in as many plays as possible, he's the kind of guy to hustle and get it done. So I easily see that, uh, you know, that upside of him getting to that 40 somewhere close to it. So much like uh, Ishmith was earlier for Charlotte, even though the price tag should probably be somewhere around the same as this one. Uh, it's one of those guys who are definitely going to be able to put up uh, big nights and uh, he's probably the other guy on my pool is Norman Powell just you know, as you said uh, someone's got to put up the shots I think his price tag just keeps falling to a point where it's just you know for a guy who's going to get the kind of minutes that he is he's probably going to get to that mid to low to mid double digit shot attempts 
yes, he hasn't been great this year, but uh, it's just one of those where Norm just needs to see it go through the uh, through the basket once, and then he can get his groove going. I've seen it for too many times in Toronto for uh, to be able to put that past him to be able to get out of the groove. So I do have him in my player pool, but yeah, just I'm so sad about Robert Covington. I swear he's one of my favorite players in the league. I hate how Portland uses him. They don't use him in any sort of usage. They have sitting in the corner, and then they're hoping that he can get on help defense. It's just terrible. I don't know what Portland's doing, and it's, uh, it's my side rant. I hate the Blazers team right now. Side rant noted. I agree. They do not use him correctly, uh, and they look like they're trash. So, uh, yeah, no, Dennis Smith, I'm not, I, I, maybe I don't fault him just because he got his Chris tops. Like I said, you know, he did nothing for Dallas, uh, but it was basically, you know, him and who else was involved in that trade? Now that's slipping my mind. Uh, somebody not useful and we ended up getting a good return. We lost a first round pick. We don't have any anyway. So I'm not going to complain about the return that we got for him. And that brings us home, man. So that brings us to our player tier segment. So talk to me. Who's your expensive? Yeah, and spoke about it earlier. Uh, between the three main guys, uh, Nikola Jokic is my favorite of all of them. Just one, purely from his upside perspective in a close game. That's where you want to be able to take him, much like Giannis, one of the best uh, per minute uh, DK points producers in the league. And he's just got the upside to be able to drop you high 60s. Uh, he's had great matchups against Chicago. Uh, he's had great matchups against Vucevic when he was on Orlando as well. It's just been one of those matchups where he just goes ahead and thrives. So, you know, as long as this game stays as close as I think it's going to be, I think it might actually be the most fun game of the night to watch. And I think I'm going to enjoy watching it with Jokic as my stud. I agree. I, he probably would be mine as well. Uh, but I'll go with DeJounte then at 10-2. Uh, I mentioned everything about DeJounte before. Consistent. I like the matchup. Expecting this game to stay closer than most people think. Well, maybe not. I mean, without Devin Booker, I think most people probably anticipate that it's not necessarily going to be a blowout. But uh, I expect this to be a little bit of a back-and-forth game. So I really do like DeJounte in this one as well. Has that triple-double upside like Jokic. So put both those guys on the map. I think both of them are very, very much in play. And then we'll go to the mid-tier. So 8K or less. I already think I know we're going to go. But uh, where are you going with this one? Garland. Excuse me. Um <laughs> Yeah, you pretty much hit it. But then uh, it was between him or Miles Bridges for me. And I think Darius Garland is just in, in a scenario where, as I said, he's become matchup proof. He's got everything going right for him as far as his confidence is concerned. And he's just one of those guys that loves to follow up one performance with another. Even not looking at the, the 50s here or earlier on in the season, it's just scenarios where he can go ahead and put a couple of really good games together and then he'll just have... A really bad dud. Hopefully it's not going to be in this game. I don't think it is just because of how Cleveland's been playing as of late. But just everything about him, everything about this kind of matchup, especially with uh, the Giannis news still coming out. Uh, if he's out for sure, then 100% Garland becomes my guy. Otherwise, I may go a little bit towards Miles Bridges. Yeah, I, I think I'm starting to know you very well, Harrison, the guys that you like to play. Like if, <laughs> if you know, at the end of the year, when DK sends you that email saying these are the yes. guys that you played the most, uh, I pr I'm pretty sure I can do that to you for you i mean like i could just send you who does harris like to play the most and i'll probably get at least like six of the eight uh is what i imagine but yeah I'm, I'm i'm with you i think he's a great play i'll probably go with another hornet uh i know you said bridges as well and it'll probably be kelly Oubre jr at 58 just like the price tag like the volume of shot attempts he's been getting and we'll continue to get with these two guys off the floor in the backcourt so i like me some kelly Oubre, especially because now that we know uh you know what Harris is asking, you know, girls in the bar uh, is, you know, <laughs> dual eligibility is a big thing for him. Yeah. Uh, he has that as well. Uh, just mess with you a little bit, man. Obviously, ah, love it. I love the dual eligibility, too. Listen, it, it is a big, big point in DFS if you can play multiple positions. Because right when they're, you know, you're looking at it about a half hour before lock, you see somebody's ruled out, you can start tinkering. Uh, you always end up finding yourself having a little bit of a better lineup when there's dual eligibility. You can swap one guy up, move him around. And then all of a sudden, boom, you got that guy that is going to get a usage bump with somebody else rolled out. Now we'll go to the value. Break it down for me. Who are you looking at? Yeah. And I mean, it's just the easy option to be able to take as far as chalk's concerned. So I'm going to go a little bit away from that and actually say that uh, it's it's four thousand. Sorry, it's forty five hundred or less. Right. To be able to do it. Five K. Five K. Five K. Okay. Five K. So forty nine. Perfect. So I'm going to go ahead and say DeAnthony Melton is my guy. Uh, I love the way his minutes are continuing to to go up. Uh, Memphis is finding that they are most successful in the lineups with him on. And it's just one of those where you know, shot attempts are going up as a result. Uh, he's got double-digit shot attempts in 
all of his last three games. He's up to 26 minutes, and I expect him, honestly, to be getting closer to that 28 to 30 that he was earlier on in the season, especially with John Morant out. They're going to need a guy that they can depend on defensively and a guy who can uh, find all different ways to be positive on your team. So with that, he gives you the upside to get to that mid-30 DK points on any given night, and his price tag has gone below 5K, so sign me up with some D'Anthony. Yeah, and we'll just say that nobody can pick Ish because that's just the Stone Cold Chalk. Like, everyone's going to play him. Uh, he's a great value play. And listen, if he was 5K, he'd probably be a guy that I was a little less interested in because I don't think he's going to go out there and put up, like, 35, maybe even 30, but I could easily see he only needs, like, 20 for us to be happy with his return. And I had him pegged probably right around that 24 to 25 DK point mark. But I'll go Derek Jones Jr. at 3,600. I already talked about him earlier. Uh, nice guy if you want to get some exposure on the other side of the ball from Jokic and you just don't want to spend up on any of those other bowls. 3,600 with no Caruso. I'm expecting him to start. Maybe they get a little wonky and they don't do that. But either way, he should be looking at close to 30 minutes, if not more. And just a guy that is extremely athletic, never going to have a ton of shot attempts, but can get it done in so many different ways. With blocks, with steals, if he even puts up 10 points, you can guarantee yourself that you're looking at at least 25 DK points. So I'm good with Derek Jones Jr. That brings us home. That is everything. That is all 10 games. That is our player tier segment. Now go give us a thumbs up. Go give us a five-star rate and review wherever you're listening to this, uh, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean. I'm sure I'm missing out on 10 other ones. Uh, just please make me beg. Please uh, five-star thumbs up. Really do appreciate it, guys. And then give us a follow on Twitter. You can find me at Mike Capatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. Harris, let the good people know where they can find you. Absolutely. As always, you can find me at H-A-K underscore devil, D-E-V-I-L, where now that the Raptors are winning again, you might find this takes to get even spicier because all my friends hate Pascal Siakam, but I love him. And you'll get to hear how much I love him in that alongside some other DFS stuff as well. Yeah, you just love him. Uh, he is one of his guys on the Harris top eight most played. Uh, <laughs> I actually hated him tonight, and that bit me. He, he had a great game. Can't, can't lie about that one. I try to own my mistakes, man. You got him. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be Santino. It'll be Sam. They'll be breaking down that wonderful Tuesday slate for you guys. Thank you all for listening. Check out Thrive. Check out Manscaped. Have a good night, guys. <laughs>